0: Sermon text. Yeah, I plan to. Original plan is to uh, preach from verse 35 to 45. But now, yeah, I decided to preach from 35 to 39 because God's word is so rich. Yeah. After I writing down my manuscript, I see, wow, it's already 30 minutes. I can't not go any further. (laughs) So I will leave uh, the next story to next week. Okay. so today's sermon text is from Mark chapter 1 verse 35 to 39 this is God's holy word let's pay attention to it and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next house, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, thank you for your... uh, Uh, for being merciful to us and passionate uh, for us. And we thank you for your word today. And help us to see your heart and let your heart uh, be in us as well. So we will do uh, likewise. Uh, Help us, Father. We will be imitators of you. In your name we pray. Amen. Our passage, uh, the passage of our last sermon, was actually the very beginning of Christ's ministry. It started off with Christ's authority, which was manifested in his preaching, the subduing of the demons, and the healing of the sick. This is what we this is what we saw last week, and the people were astonished at as those things. There was power coming out of Christ, and we know. And this is the authority of the Son of God, the King of the universe. Therefore, Christ's arrival in the world indicates the kingdom of God entering the world. As Jesus himself said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The coming of the kingdom of God was seen with Christ. Otherwise, the power of the demons and the sickness of man will not have been overcome. So it is a clear sign that the Kingdom of God is here. So the heart of Jesus is to let as many people as possible hear this good news of the Kingdom of God so that people will hear and believe. So our passage gives us one example of how Jesus' ministry looks like. There are three features of Jesus' ministry in our passage. First, uh, Jesus starts his day with the Father. Second, there are different opinions about his ministry. Third, Jesus does his ministry his own way. So let's look at our first point. Jesus starts his day with the Father. Our story starts with the beginning of the day. And Jesus rising very early in the morning. While it was still dark he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed this is a long sentence the main idea is that Jesus spends a long day on prayer that's the main idea but the description of the time and the place of the prayer really has a big role to play mark mentions the time of prayer in two different manners he first tells us the time is very early in the morning I think the word "very" expresses an emphasis on the time. It draws our attention. For example, if you ask me uh, what time I get up, and I say I usually get up early, that doesn't make you feel special about the time. What if I say I get up very early? I think that may arouse your interest in why I get up early. It sounds that I have something special to do uh, in the early morning. So Mark here even puts more emphasis on the time. He wants to get our attention to how early the time is. He tells us that it was still dark. In Greek, the word for dark implies a night time. It is a time for bed. But Jesus gets up. Oh, it's interesting. If we still remember the events in the previous passage, we know Jesus just had a very busy Sabbath day. He was almost for sure that he could not sleep early because so many people lined themselves at the door waiting to be healed by Jesus at the sunset. So it is totally understandable if Jesus sleeps longer and gets up a little late next day. But Jesus didn't. Why he was so hard on himself? We know that the ministry is important, but we still believe that rest and sleep is important too, especially after busy Sabbath day. Jesus deserves a good rest. It is not the case that Jesus was not as tired as us just because he's the son of God. No, Mark clearly tells us Jesus is just like us. He is a fully man which means he shares all the weaknesses of us except sin. So it's not that easy at all for Jesus to get up that early after such a demanding day. So what's most shocking is that Jesus went to a desolate place and it is still dark. It is very cold and dangerous out there. Why didn't Jesus just pray at home? Jesus has all the bad options out there, such as sleeping longer, getting up a little late, or praying at home. But Jesus just chose to do the opposite. And why? Some people will say, look, Jesus here is setting up a good example for us. He, even, he being the Son of God, still gets up early to pray. So, there's a lesson for us here. We, being simple people, are more needed to get up early and to pray. That sounds very pietistic, and there are many Christians who do it like that. But I don't think that's the purpose of what Jesus was doing here. I believe this is what a regular morning looks like for Jesus. He does it every day. He starts his day with prayer. It's an act of worship. Revelation verse 5a tells us, uh, describes our prayer as an offering to God. It is, a, it is our desire for God makes Jesus do what he does. But why going, to a, why going to a desolate place? Because it is a place where he will not be easily interrupted. Worship is his priority and it cannot be compromised. Sometimes we choose easy place, comfortable place to pray, and then we are easily interrupted by our children, by our phone rings, by lots of music and, and the things around us. So what motivates us to worship God in our daily life? Do we read our Bible because of our desire for knowing more of God and His will? Do we pray because of our desire for enjoying God's presence before His throne of grace? Or do we come to church because of our desire for corporate worship with the saints? If we have a right desire for God, our life will show that in everything we do. So this is what we see here in Jesus' ministry. He starts His day with prayer and worship before God. So our second point here from our passage is we see a different opinion about doing ministry from the, from the from the disciples. They don't appreciate what Jesus was doing. Uh, we are not told how long Jesus had prayed in the desert in the desolate, uh, desolate place, but it must be a long time because Jesus was still in the desert place a desolate place when everyone was up. And they even had arrived at the house of Simon. So it's a regular time of a day. And Jesus was still not back. Simon and Peter, they went to search for Jesus. And they found Jesus missing. And they went to search for Jesus. When they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. So what is going on here with the disciples? What does this word mean? Imagine this. Maybe you will help us understand what's going on here with the disciples. Imagine one Sunday morning, 10 minutes before our worship starts, our pastor has not showed up. And I just arrived at the church with my family, and some people ask me, where Pastor Matt is? I would be surprised to hear that our pastor is not here yet. And the worship is going to start soon. What shall we do? There's no doubt that people will expect me to do something for, for the worship. Because I'm a disciple of Pastor Matt. But I'm not prepared for that. I'm not ready for that. I'm scared. This is what is going on with the disciples there. They came for Jesus, but Jesus was not there. And they, they, were, they were thinking, what, what, what should we do? So let's find Jesus. It is very likely that they did not realize that Jesus was not home until many people showed up at Simon's house. So the disciples were expected to do something for the people, but they were were unprepared. They might have some complaint about Jesus at that time because he did not come back early enough, or at least he should have leave a note on the table so so that they would know where Jesus will be and they can find him easily so they went to search for Jesus when they found him they said to Jesus everyone is looking for you do you see how they said to Jesus it is not a proper way to talk to anyone let alone be their teacher if you are looking for someone let's say we're looking for Joe and we finally find him we will probably say Joe, we will be looking for you. Where have you been? And why are you here? Unless we are very upset about him, we may say in a very direct and unpolished un- 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 way, we are looking for you. This one statement says more than many words here. It brings charges to the person. It makes him feel sorry, judged, and even ashamed of what he, what he was doing. The disciples did not know that, that they were doing doing a similar thing to the teacher. And it was even worse. They wanted Jesus to know that his absence actually affected everyone. They said, everyone is looking for you. Not only us, everyone. You know, Jesus, it's big deal. That word everyone adds more flavor and weight to this statement. It, it, it implies a a blame basically the disciples were complaining what jesus did was quite irresponsible how could jesus leave those people out there how could he not tell his disciples before leaving the house how could he let this happen jesus was not being thoughtful enough to those who were interested in the message of god so maybe for the disciples Jesus was hurting his ministry at that time. Before that day, Jesus went around every place calling people to turn to God and believe in the gospel. But after the successful ministry from last time, people just flooded to Jesus. They came for Jesus. But at that moment, they could not find Jesus. It is like some new people coming to Pasadena OPC after an outreach ministry, but only find out that our church building is closed due to COVID. I know it is not a perfect analogy, because Jesus' situation was more controllable, and he could have easily avoided it if he had returned home earlier. On the surface, it seems that the disciples care about the kingdom ministry, and they wanted their ministry to be expanded. I don't doubt that. We can see it in their reaction to Jesus' absence. They wanted Jesus to be there, to teach, to heal. But there's something fundamentally wrong with with the disciples. That is their focus. From the word of the disciples and Jesus' reply to them, we find that their focus is ministry-oriented and people-oriented. I don't say ministry and people are not important, but I do say they should not be our focus. Our focus should always be the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the ministry exists for the worship of God, and people are saved for the worship of God. Our goal and desire is that every knee will bow down, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is a Lord. This is the God-centeredness that is missing in these disciples. As a result, their work is conditioned by whatever is pragmatic. How should Jesus respond to this? Jesus responds to it by telling them his way of doing ministry, what is the right way. Jesus, without any explanation, he said, let us go on to the next towns. That I may preach there also. That is why I came out. This is Jesus' answer to his disciples. They need to move on. And Jesus wants to bring his gospel to the towns where he has not preached before. And Jesus told us the reason. For that is why I came out for. It It is not Jesus' heart to build his kingdom in one place, but to reach out to more, to many. It is not Jesus' heart to please man, but God, the Father. Jesus never forgets his mission sent by his Father. Everything that he does and says, and, everything he, and everywhere, everywhere he goes, God is his focus. And he said, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His works. John 14:20, uh, John 14:10. So Jesus knows He, His presence in the world is to do what God wants Him to do. Here we see the heart of Jesus and the heart of the Father is one. The heart of Jesus and the Father is quite obvious according to jesus word here that is a desire to reach out to more people so that they would hear and they will hear the gospel and believe in the gospel and this desire is more explicitly taught after the resurrection of jesus matthew 20 verse 19 to 20 says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And also in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And we can see that gospel has all nations in view therefore when jesus was still on earth he went to many places he preached to many people and he healed many he cast out many demons just as we've read in verse 39 and he went throughout all galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons where wherever jesus went the work of satan is destroyed by jesus and people are set free by Jesus from the power of the demons. That's the good news. Jesus Christ came to seek and save. And the good news is for you and me. That's the reason Jesus became a man, lived under under the law, tempted by Satan without sinning, so that his righteousness could be imputed to us. And he was also crucified on the cross receiving the full wrath of god in our place so that we can be fully forgiven and accepted by god through christ since we have this gospel now how should it affect us so let me share two applications with you here number one he makes us boast in god alone the disciples in our passage apparently missed the point of the gospel ministry they Think, once the gospel ministry was started, they should be maintained by putting the follow-up work and the people first. In this disciple's opinion, Jesus Jesus should stay home in case some people uh, come for him. And Jesus should continue his preaching, healing, and demon casting in this place so that his work could be more influential. This thought was implied in their word to Jesus. The danger of that thought is that they think Jesus' ministry could be more successful if Jesus follows their idea. That will be their boast in the success of the ministry. We find ourselves make the same, similar mistake as the disciples did. We also want to make some contribution to our Christian faith let me ask you do you read your bible do you pray and do you go to church the answer is yes right but don't answer that yet until you hear the next question do you do all of these things out of desire for God or out of a duty let's think about that you know the answer there's no way to tell the difference from the outside but I think we tend to do things, these things out of duty more than out of a desire. And the fact is, we cannot maintain our godliness by doing our Christian duties. And sometimes we just don't feel like reading the Bible, praying, and even going to church. What should we do then? We turn to the gospel. It tells us what God has done for us and we are called to worship Him through all the means of grace. Only in the gospel we, we would, but only both in God. Second is that we are witnesses to Christ. Verse 38 is like the heartbeat of Christ. His heart to the lost makes him keep moving to new places, so that the people in those new areas would also hear the gospel and believe in Jesus. When Christ was about to leave for the Father, he did not forget to mention, uh, He did not forget to command his disciple to carry on with this mission, the Greek mission. And in Acts, disciples are commanded to bear witnesses to Christ to Christ throughout the world. However, Christ does not leave that work to his disciples alone. He promised to be with them in that work. And he is still doing this very work of outreach by the hands of his disciples. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6-7, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So Christ is always one that leads his disciples. In our passage, he said, let us go on to the next towns. He sounded like an invitation. As disciples of Christ, we are not only commanded, but also invited to this work. So, which town has Christ invited us to go? Christ has led us here to Los Angeles, Pasadena, Acadia. Temple City, St. Gabriel, Glendale, Glendora, and so on. And these places are where we are going to witness to Christ. And Christ has promised to be with us. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming to the world to seek and save the lost. And we once were blind, but now we see. We once were lost. But now have been found, because of your great love, because of your decision to move on to the next town, so that we can hear you in China, in America, in Africa, and everywhere. Thank you, Lord, for saving us, for loving us, and please help us to see your heart and have your heart uh, in us. Your name we pray. Amen. Now let's stand and respond to God's word by singing 227. Let's stand and sing praises to God 227.